0: Okay, Amanda, what are we doing? We keep doing this. We keep we keep saying we're going to record. Just one and more. Then, just five uh, more minutes no, of Animal no Crossing. No more <laughs> Animal Crossing. We can't. Don't you want this cool backpack? Of course I want that cool backpack. <laughs> okay, just give me two
1: seconds. I'm sending it right Never now. Never mind
0: the fact that I have like seven backpacks right now.
1: Oh, I already sent you two letters today. Okay, I can send it to you tomorrow. You'll just no! No!
0: To <laughs> Hey everyone! Welcome to Dad you're Reviewing. My name is David, and I watch too many movies.
1: And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming.
0: Today we will be covering the post-apocalyptic horror story of I Am Legend. This is including the 1954 book by Richard Matheson and the 2007 movie directed by Francis Lawrence and starring Will Smith. Nothing happened the way it was supposed to happen. Six billion people on
1: Earth when the infection hit. I am a survivor living in New York City. I will be at the South Street Seaport every day at midday when the sun is highest in the sky. So if you're unfamiliar, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't super care about spoilers on this particular book and movie combo, stick around.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So real quick we will give you a brief summary on the story. So the story of I Am Legend is about Robert Neville, who finds himself as the sole survivor after a virus has wiped out or transformed the human race as we know it. Neville finds himself strangely immune to the disease that has mutated humans into vampire slash zombie beings, and he's determined to find the cause slash cure of some kind. So it's part survival story, part monster hunter, more jump scare marathon. Uh, and in order to find out if Neville can find the cure before the vampire zombies get him. Bum, bum bum. So, David, what was your first experience with I'm Legend?
0: So I remember seeing this movie in theaters, not because I necessarily remember seeing this movie, because I only sort of do. But I remember this mostly because there were no movie trailers. For this movie, it introed yeah. with the bank heist from The Dark Knight. And I remember that being a big deal. And I remember being really excited to see this movie for that trailer in particular.
1: Yeah, I think this was a rare one where we saw it together. Um, yeah. For the first time, I did not know that it was a horror movie. So I was kind of surprised by it. Because uh, like I don't think I saw very many. I thought it was like a survivor story. Um yeah. But I didn't realize it was going to be a horror sh- a horror movie, and we saw it on in like Dolby IMAX and oh, yeah. like
0: late at night. Oh yeah, is that did we see it together? Uh-huh. Yeah, and it was
1: it was much scarier than I was
0: expecting. <laughs> it was like yeah, and I remember I was in middle school for this. It was a it was probably toward the creepier stuff because we didn't watch a lot of horror or creepy stuff. No, uh, yeah, and so this was probably the limit with what we could get away with, and I think it's because Will Smith was in it.
1: What was I doing so late at the movies with you in seventh
0: grade? <laughs> I don't know. Cool. <laughs> I think this is like one of those things where like our parents were probably on vacation or something. No, no, this was during, because this came out during Christmas. What were we yeah. doing at midnight? I on like, I,
1: I, It was like one of the last midnight shows I saw because I was like, I don't know if I can gamble again
0: on a late night movie. It like kept me up. I was very creeped out by it. Your husband is currently sending me photos of ribs. ribs. Yeah. <laughs> we're ribs literally right recording and there's what? There is like 6 full slabs of ribs.
1: Yeah, we're making ribs for everybody. You guys doing, suck. We're doing We're doing front door drop off of ribs and he made 3 batches of his barbecue sauce and we're putting it into like little squirt bottles for everybody.
0: And you guys suck. That. I want to be a part of you this. Yes. Are-
1: we are not only doing that; we are actually charcoal grilling them too.
0: Uh, okay, Amanda, just talk about the book history now. <laughs> I'm Our kitchen hungry. has smelled for two days. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about them. Tell me about the book. Just tell me about the book.
1: Uh, yeah, so let's talk about some book facts. Uh, this was an interesting one. So it was written in the 50s. Uh, Matheson was a contributor to the original Twilight Zone TV series,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that's laced throughout the story. It's very evident. Um, it in 2012, which is funny because it's 50 years later, uh, horror writer the Horror Writers Association gave I am Legend the special vampire novel of the century award.
0: <laughs> pretty, pretty late. Pretty cool. Okay.
1: A little bit late in the day, but pretty cool. Uh it is called the first modern zombie novel. A lot of modern day horror screenwriters and movie makers cite this as a inspiration which is pretty cool I didn't know that I didn't know it was so big when we picked it
0: oh yeah you can see when I was doing my history people like George Romero cited this uh, movies like 28 days later even video games like uh, The Last of Us which is like one of my favorite video games of all time cites this as a major influence and you could tell like all of those things follow a lot of the groundwork this book did
1: Yeah, so it's called the first modern zombie novel because it doesn't have as much to do with the monsters. It has a lot more to do with uh, Neville's loneliness, which is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So although the idea is now pretty commonplace that something supernatural and monster-like came from, has a scientific explanation, now it seems like everything does that. But back in the day when this was written, it was a completely new idea. So people were pretty excited about it. Mm Mm-hmm. It has been adapted into a comic book, a radio play, three feature films, and one direct-to-DVD to, um, to DVD film. Um, and int- I thought it was interesting that each movie makes the same important change, where Neville is not just a like a rando dude like he is in the original story. He is actually a scientist trying to find a cure, which I think is an interesting change. So it's interesting that each – Film adaptation decided to do that right out the gate.
0: Yeah, they they were like, you know, instead of making this Die Hard with zombies, let's make it Doctor Die Hard with zombies. Yeah,
1: instead of instead of some dude looking up um, how do bacteria work at the library, it's a scientist <laughs> who actually knows these things.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a working lab. <laughs> I can't wait to talk more about that.
1: Yeah. So what about movie facts, David? You got a long list over here. Oh my
0: gosh. This, The history of this being adapted and uh, the movie itself is so interesting. I'm so glad we got into this after the boring history of the Hunger Games production
1: (laughs) because
0: there's so much interesting stuff. So like you said, this was adapted... Uh, previously into two other major films so this was adapted first in 1964 as the last man on earth and again in 1971 as the omega man which is by far my favorite title Craziest title (laughs) crazy title this version of i am legend has been attempted to be adapted twice beforehand so first it was originally set to start direct by ridley scott And starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, which, you know what? I would watch that movie. I could, but could you picture Arnold doing the crying scenes? Every time (laughs) I think of it, it makes me laugh
1: that's that's kind of true you do need somebody with quite a bit of emotional depth to play like the last man on earth essentially
0: yeah and the other one uh that eventually went over budget and was canceled the other one was in 2002 michael bay was set to direct with will smith instead of francis lawrence and that would have been a much (laughs) different movie a lot more explosions and somehow boobs so somehow somehow (laughs) boobs the one thing that most adaptations got rid of uh he would keep it he would definitely keep it he, he would
1: somehow find a way to add more
0: uh, that would def- glad that never happened but eventually <laughs> this got greenlit with francis lawrence directing instead anyone who has seen this movie or at least has remotely heard of this movie knows one of the most important parts of the movie is the dog the dog yeah, is the dog is, super important. is super important and will smith Sam yeah, Will Smith wanted to make sure that he had a relationship with this dog. So before filming, he went on dog dates with Abby, oh my god. the dog's name. Oh my god! <laughs> so that they could have a better camaraderie, I guess, which is amazing. Picture, picture. That's the type of method acting that I want. You know that I'm in for. Yeah, yeah. He loved the dog so much. He tried to adopt it after filming, but the trainer refused I totally to let it go. I, oh, yeah. I, I got to say.
1: I definitely would. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk saying this. I'm not like the hugest dog person in the world. I Ooh. love dogs, but it would take a big, it'd take a big step for me to like own a dog. Um, I would do anything for this dog.
0: This dog is probably is the, cutest dog ever. the best film dog, period. I'm going to say that. 100% all agree. Right. Yeah. Best film dog.
1: I, I can't think of a better dog.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: And it, it, if if you completely disagree and want to burn us to the ground for saying that, please uh, forward all your emails to stuff at com and I'll send those over to David to read.
0: <laughs> uh, mostly just uh, real realmanda for, you know, uh, saying she doesn't like dogs.
1: I did I not I say I, I don't that. like dogs. <laughs> I think I heard her say
0: she despises I would never dogs. say such a horrible thing. <laughs> I, that's what I heard. How dare you Uh, say that? Two more very interesting facts. Uh, One is uh, there is some scenes with mannequins that are very creepy. And apparently they hired mimes to play the mannequins in some scenes and move ever so subtly to also make you feel like you're going crazy.
1: So I did not know that when I initially watched it and I saw your fact just now. And... It like retroactively creeps me out that there were actual people that I didn't notice weren't mannequins in the mannequin scenes.
0: It is very good. And it also makes me feel a little less crazy because I thought they maybe added it in with CGI, but I could have sworn I saw those mannequins move as well. So I do feel a little bit better that, okay, they were played by humans because I feel
1: like I need to go back and watch those scenes but also I don't want to because that creeps me out a
0: lot No, the mannequins mannequins are terrifying uh it's just like that one twilight zone episode with mannequins one of the creepiest episodes of all time uh last fun fact this was one of the few movies that got to film on location at New York and this was like a big deal they don't allow people to do this especially in some of the like bigger set pieces they had Uh, But people were, like, pissed at this movie. No, in New York? Yeah, in New York, the kindest place on (laughs) earth. They weren't understanding that uh, all their traffic was shut down, even
1: more so than usual.
0: Yeah, especially when they shut down, like, bridges for filming. Who would have thought that would have caused any problems? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But apparently Will Smith said it's the most middle fingers he's ever gotten while filming. I am the least surprised by that fun fact. No. That's yeah. that's that was just a given. People would have just assumed that. Yeah. Yeah. So, David, what did
1: you think about this story? How do you like visiting, d- diving deep into the original uh, content and revisiting this very exciting movie?
0: Yeah. Revisiting both this book and this movie, especially the book. It felt like I already knew it while I was going through it. And that's not to say it wasn't an interesting story, but I think that book, I did not realize how much it was a cornerstone for all this zombie related content that is out now. It yeah, it feels like a modern day folktale because so much of the beats and plots are like, are just recreated in so many different forms of media. Uh, yeah. So I found a lot of parallels in this story. So it, it felt incredibly familiar and strangely like fresh for a book that was written in the 50s. Like I mm-hmm. was not aware of how old this story was until me I looked either. it up later, which was yeah. kind of shocking to me.
1: Yeah. So it's been around for what, 70 years?
0: Yeah. That's a pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I felt the same way. I felt like I was, uh, reading like an origin story of sorts. Um, but it still didn't feel stale. I thought the, the, it's a shorter, it's like a novella. Like it's, it's less than, I think it's like 200 pages or something like that. So it's not very long. Yeah. Uh, so it was a pretty quick read and it's fairly exciting. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that change into the adaptation, but, the setting of you know this last man on earth essentially and having to deal with that is really interesting it still is and i think it's it's appreciated in a new light now that we're going through quarantine days um it's nowhere near the same hysteria of course but a lot of the same themes that the That the book and the movie want to talk about, like loneliness and human connection and things like that, uh, are something we're all talking about right now. So it felt very interesting to dive into it right now.
0: Yeah, the parts of the book where he explored having to follow a routine while he was in essentially self isolation. Uh, yeah. Was it very familiar. It felt incredibly <laughs> familiar because if he didn't yeah. stick to his daily routine, he went crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Which feels like I go through that every Wednesday now. You know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say for me. It, it was the parts I enjoyed most. So like the monster hunting was like mm, for me. Uh, but the parts – like even in the movie, the first like half of this movie is my favorite part of the movie where Will Smith is just surviving in this, cr- this familiar but crazy setting of a completely empty and overgrown New York with like lions roaming around. Uh, is very cool to me. And like his relationship with his dog is – the best i could watch them all day so like their story was very very good to me and then like to have like this twist creep creepiness and monsters coming in was good but to me like the best parts were him dealing with um you know having to be by himself and what that meant and how he was going to survive and carry on the human race I that was really good
0: yeah just stories of self-isolation feel incredibly human Because especially now, as it's something we're all going through, but the idea of extreme loneliness is a relatable one. And like, how do you navigate without any sort of human interaction at all is an interesting concept to explore. Now, Mm -hmm. Amanda, let's dig a little bit deeper into the book. What are your thoughts on it?
1: Uh, so the book, like I said, is there's a lot of um, what are now considered tropes oh, yeah. that uh, didn't really, didn't really feel like tropes when I was reading it, but it was kind of like, um, you know, watching like if you if you grew up never watching the Goonies and then you watch the Goonies and you're like, oh, that's where that came from, or something <laughs> like that. It felt a little bit like that uh, reading it. I will say Neville <laughs> is a very unlikable anti-hero, I guess he is, in the book. Yeah. Um, because he's like I, – So I had it in my head that this was like a 70s book from the beginning because it's mm-hmm. set in the 70s. And he is somehow the most 70s protagonist, like oh, yeah. male protagonist of all time where he's like – um, he's, he's an alcoholic basically. He's strangely aggressive towards women. He like has this like inflated idea of himself. It, and it's – To me, he's like "Mm, just on the cusp of somebody that I wouldn't really care about necessarily, but I think that's all part of the original story. Um, I think the changes they made to make him into Will Smith was a smart one because Will Smith is very charismatic, so it solves a lot of that.
0: Yeah, the hardest thing to deal with Neville is definitely his weird thoughts on women the entire it's, it's very so strange.
1: aggressive women. Yeah.
0: It's like this old <laughs> idea of like the man who cannot control his urges. It's just creepy, yeah. guys. Like the way he talks creepy. about the vampire the women vampires and how he like weirdly targets them in the book yeah. and how like he there's allusions to like him wanting to like rape them and things like this. That felt like, they age terribly. By far the worst parts. Uh, I mean, it, it did a good job yeah. at making me not like him, but it yeah. feels a little over the top because I feel like in the apocalypse, that's maybe one of the last things you're really concerned yeah.
1: about. It makes me wonder, because there's, there's a twist uh, that we'll talk about in our spoilers with it, um, which may not be a super huge spoiler i feel like as soon as this movie came out people were like but the real story was this hmm. mm. um so i feel like it it may not be a huge spoiler but there's a there's a twist in the story and i wonder if like when it happened for me i was like yeah I'm all right yeah sure <laughs> and i wonder if it was more shocking for people at the time uh i did like read some like old timey reviews of it where people are like uh like Old timey. But at the time when it was published, like initial reactions to it. And a lot of people were like, it's just the same old Twilight Zone BS yeah. Black characters, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I don't think like people understood what an interesting gem they had started with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will not defend the characters or character in this story uh i think he deserves the criticism
0: <laughs> oh 100 yeah uh my favorite he's, he's
1: also just like he's also just like i like a white dude who goes to the library and he's like i understand all <laughs> science
0: now <He's> like, <laughs> none I of the doctors figured this out funny. until i figured it out yeah whenever he's talking he's about the worker. <laughs> whenever he's talking about the origins of this virus it sounds more like a crazy facebook post than it does something smart because he's like especially since this was written in the 50s he's like it's caused by the germs the mutating germs
1: yes there's a lot of like internal dialogue where he's trying to figure out very unscientifically, where this disease came from, and he's like, "But then, how does this work?" He's like, nah, "I know." Blah blah blah, and he says something that doesn't sound scientific at all, no. and you're you're just like, "Okay, devil, you're
0: doing your best, I guess." And it's like, even despite that, to me, it still made sense. As a person who's living in self isolation, it feels like the amount of crazy you could expect after a couple yeah. years of being alone and just wanting to find out what happened. So even though like you go through it and you're just like, come on, dude, this is all BS. Like, what are you talking about? You, I still understand it as something like, well, if I was in that situation, I may start wanting to rationalize things too.
1: I think it's hard too, because we have the internet now and he just had like, six library books so he was doing his
0: best yeah he like <laughs> this part <laughs> where like he needs to get a microscope and he gets it and he breaks it and it's a crappy microscope so he has to go to the library to read about microscopes <laughs> before he yeah in order one. to find a good one <laughs> it's like oh man that sucked back then yeah but let's uh any more thoughts on the book before we go to the movie
1: now we can move on to the movie what do you think of the movie
0: so uh The movie, I forgot how incredible, particularly the first two acts of this movie are. They are perfectly placed or paced. They have just the right amount of creepy horror. They have enough, uh, uh, like Will Smith crying, uh, to make you Mm -hmm. feel emotion. Uh, Mm -hmm. just enough
1: backstory.
0: Just enough backstory, it doesn't mm-hmm. bog you down and uh, just enough empty New York for you mm-hmm. to really take it all in. The this movie just has a good vibe to it. I think the biggest problem, which we will talk later, is definitely the third act. I have a lot of problems with this. And yeah. I feel like Will Smith constantly gets shafted in his movies in the third act. It's like something he always Love deals it. with. Uh, but in terms of like especially the changes they've made to zombies, the setting, the soundtrack and Will Smith and the dang dog. It's like. so good. It's a really good movie to revisit
1: it. I wrote the same so my notes were like, dang, I forgot this was a good movie.
0: Yeah
1: <laughs> like the first uh the first like even just like 10 to 20 minutes of the movie opens up and you have no explanation about what's going on. It's all visual storytelling and it's basically like Will Smith hunting deer in New York in a sports car with his dog. and you're like, invested. You're like in. You're like, I don't know what this crazy story is about, but I'm here for it and mm-hmm. I care about these characters already, which I feel like is very difficult to do and it does it with quite a bit of finesse starting off. So I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think I, – so when I first initially saw it, I did not know it was going to be horror. This time <laughs> I was more informed there and I go. knew there was going to be jump scares so I can emotionally prepare for the jump scares There are a lot of jump scares in this movie. So if you're the kind of person who is put off by jump scares big time, like I will never be able to get my husband to watch this movie. But if you can survive the jump scares, that's basically the scariest part of this movie. Um, It's a horror movie I weirdly endorse.
0: Well, I'm going to push back on the idea that it's a horror movie because I think it's creepy. But I think the biggest problem with it being full on horror are the zombies. The CGI zombies. I'm going to come out and yeah. say it. I think they're, they're bad. And it brings down the creepiness factor. By a lot. You know
1: what? So. I don't know. I think they're okay. Here's what I think are bad about them. though. I think if it was practical effects. It would have been more. Um, instead of the CGI. It would have been more creepy. More convincing. I know they wanted to have them like like, wolf run over everything because I was for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, but that was, that was what zombies were all doing back in 20, 2007, so I understand a little bit. Um, but it's the fact that they, like, unhinge their jaw and, like, do something which I call the mummy yell when they... Ah, uh, yes. 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 Um, I think that that takes me out of it because they just look kind of dumb. Everything else, like the sound... Design for them, I think, is really good. Oh, yeah. I think some of their design is okay, but I wish it was just practical people. I feel like that would have been much creepier. It's very hard to, like, watch those scenes and not be very aware that it's computer generated.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think the the times where the movie is best at creeping you out are scenes that don't actually involve a lot of cgi zombies like the things that creeped yeah. me out were the mannequin scene when the mannequins are mm-hmm. or even when he's just alone in the store with the mannequins are creepy or mm-hmm. when he's going around in the dark uh with his flashlight yeah. and he sees like he sees the zombies very briefly just huddled together that's creepy that's great yeah, pretty but whatever creepy. they do full-on zombies it's just it just kind of loses me now that same. Thanks to the setting, thanks to a very creepy rendition of all Bob Marley songs, this movie's great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the setting, the overgrown New York setting is super, super good. Um, Even the parts where I can tell it's CGI, I love it. So I'm on board for that. So I think it it definitely wins you back with that. Um, And I will say that Will Smith is the king of of like restrained face crying. 100%. It's so good, and so every time he does it, I feel for him. So Will Smith definitely
0: takes the cake for for this movie. Is this Will Smith's best performance?
1: Uh I don't know because I feel like there's a bunch of like really critically acclaimed things that Will Smith is in that I've never seen, so it's hard for me to say that.
0: I'm gonna but say. I think really I'm gonna say it is. Here's why <laughs> because in everything else Will Smith does, he has someone to act against. Like, there's always another person he can act against, you know, uh, to give him some sort of motivation or movement or or to enhance his performance. In this movie, it is just him. Yeah, just him and
1: his dog, which is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. So I think this movie wins me out. And it is actually when other people start coming into the movie that I feel like his performance works less. So...
1: Yeah, I also think like his character as being the scientist who stubbornly believes that he can still find a cure and save everybody is because of like the trauma that happened to him at the onset of this movie is a really good character. Um so I was really I was really glad at the changes they made in his character. I was totally on board and rooting for him in the movie.
0: Oh yeah, you needed him to be a little bit of charming. Like if you cast Will Smith and you make him unlikable, those those things are not, those things cannot coexist. Those don't coexist.
1: Which, yeah. Which I was looking up. uh, So there's an alternate ending to this movie. And so I was looking it up on YouTube and then it gave me a bunch of like extra funny clips of other Will Smith movies, like the like how it should have ended yeah. and sins and stuff like that. And um I did watch – Something with After Earth. Did you ever see that
0: movie? It's no, let's not talk about After Earth. That is what you get when you get. That's what happens when you get unlikable Will Smith. You get After Earth. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so David, would you recommend people read this book? See, this is really tough because I think it is like an origin story for a lot of Mm -hmm. stories, and it is so interesting to kind of see where it came from and i think the difference in having it be vampires instead of zombies because vampires were more in in the 50s and things like that like it's is a very interesting origin story so i think i would recommend this only for big horror fans that want to see what or where all these ideas came from because that's what this book really is. I don't think there's a lot of things that age super well about it, but for a book that was written in the 50s, it's it's really quick. I read it in like an afternoon.
1: yeah, it's pretty it's pretty short. I would say I would recommend this book too. I think anybody who likes like Twilight Zone Vibes will get a kick out of going back and reading this. Um, I think it's it's worth it. I, I mean, yeah, there are some like weird stuff with his character, but I also don't think that's out of the ordinary for a lot of horror genre stories mm-hmm. either. Um, so I won't ding it too hard. I think it was, I think it was a pretty enjoyable quick read. So if it's something where you're like interested in the history of the horror genre, if you um, like zombies and vampires in particular, or if you just feel like reading like a good Twilight Zone novella. Yeah
0: definitely recommend it for twilight zone fans this is perfect but amanda what about the 2007 movie would you recommend that
1: i think so i think it was it's a fun movie it's a surprisingly fun movie to watch um and it it kind of ticks all the boxes for being both thoughtful and introspective and also a fun horror monster movie too so i think so
0: I would say, especially in like this day of age, too, it's like extremely relatable. It's one of those Mm -hmm. movies that I feel like are much more important nowadays Mm -hmm. than it was when it came out because of quarantine in the state we're in right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's relatable, but not in a stressful way. Like I've seen a lot of people visit um, like virus horror movies right now. And, and I feel like this is a little bit more about the people who are going through it than it is about the virus itself. So I feel like it's a little bit less stressful. So I would recommend it.
0: Yes, highly. All right. Well, our recommendation is, you know, read the book if you're in for a quick read. But definitely check out this movie. I think it has a lot no. to offer. However, I'm excited to talk Uh, in our spoiler section because there are some weird third act things in both of these stories that I want to talk about
1: yes most definitely so let's dive into spoilers
0: God didn't do this we did So we've already talked about some of the major changes, like from vampires to zombies, the location change, stuff like that. But Amanda, what were some of the biggest or maybe more subtle changes that you noticed?
1: Yeah, so let's tackle the big change right out the gate that you may or may not have already known about. So in the story, uh, Neville finds out at the end that um, there are a group of vampire people who have learned how to basically manage the disease with medication. Yeah. So they're not like bloodthirsty and they still have – in the story, the the zombie vampires uh, go into a state during the day because the bacteria can't handle being out in the sun. So it basically puts them into a coma during the day to keep them safe which I feel like is a strange thing. But sure. uh, so it's they're indistinguishable from the rabid zombie vampires, basically, during the day. And Neville has been going around systematically killing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and he finds out at the end that this society of people exists and that he is basically like enemy number one because he's like a mass murderer of their people. Mm-hmm. And so he meets a woman at the end whose husband he murdered earlier and she's infiltrating to try and like find out more about him he finds out that she's secretly a zombie person and he's basically put on trial for his crimes and executed at the end so he finds out at the end that he is really the monster and the monsters he thought he were he was hunting Still have humanity to them, and that's mm-hmm. like the Twilight Zone
0: twist, which is a pretty good so it's far. As Twilight good. Zone twist, and good. it it lets him get the cool t- title of "I Am Legend," which is an excellent yes. title. Love that title. Not very a great last title. line, but an excellent title.
1: A very strange last line. It made me laugh that it was the last line. Yeah. It was one of my nitpicks because he was just like, "I am the monster. I am legend. End of story." <laughs> <laughs>
0: It feels very, like, egotistical before you die to be like, now I am legend. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's a little bit – it would have made more sense if uh, the woman he was talking to was just, like, this is your legend among our people that you are like this. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, that's where the title is. You don't ever have to say it in, like, a sentence, but they did. (laughs) Uh, So that's how the book wraps up the third act. In the movie – There are actually two endings, and they went with the one where Neville sacrifices. Neville finds the cure. Mm -hmm. He's doing experiments on zombie people. He finds the cure and he gives a vial of blood of the cure to the woman he meets, who is Anna and a. Person, person, not a zombie, not a secret zombie person, a person,
0: person. A real person, yes.
1: real person. And uh, she takes the vial of blood and escapes, and he somehow uses a grenade to set off a bunch of C4 in his basement and explode all the zombies. And she escapes to uh, Vermont, I want to say, in a commune, and she's safe, and it's supposed to be like the hope of the new dawn of humanity.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Uh so that's the big jarring ending change, David. What did you think? What do you think about that?
0: So here's the thing: both endings are like meh. I think the f- the book <laughs> ending. I think it's less of the twist because the twist is fine. I think it's a very twi- Twilight zony twist. I think mm-hmm. just the introduction to Ruth. Uh, uh, the character who is the fake vampire zombie girl is a little weird
1: She's Infinitely more interesting though if i can oh, say that
0: infinitely more interesting but i think that entire yeah. last act is just kind of it's just kind of weird and jarring uh and it like you can you can feel the twist coming like a mile away a little bit so yeah. it's It's okay. I think the previous two acts are just stronger, but again, it was a twist. It was interesting in the movie. However, I do not like the original ending. uh,
1: I don't like the original at all.
0: And the biggest reason is because uh, not because it differs from the original story. I think the way they set it up in the previous two acts uh, just it feels tonally something completely different.
1: I completely agree because I think they set up – his character flaw in the first two acts is that he stubbornly believes that he can still cure everybody and save the day. Yes. And then he resolves that character arc by saving the day (laughs) and curing everybody, which is not great. Um, So the alternate ending that that didn't end up getting in the original cut – is that uh, there's this kind of face-off at the very end of the story between Neville and this zombie who is all of a sudden tracking down Neville. Um, And he realizes it's because he essentially has his girlfriend uh, that he's doing experiments on. Yeah. He gives the guy back his girlfriend, and they kind of part ways peacefully. And then Neville finally decides to leave New York, which has been like his – refusal from the very beginning of the story was he didn't want to leave New York mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that just wraps up his character arc a little bit better and then you kind of have an homage to the original where he realizes that these people who even been he's been hunting do still have a shred of humanity even though he assumed that they hadn't which and is interesting
0: he, yeah and the entire story he keeps even saying. Uh, these people don't have any humanity. They've lost all social skills. These mm-hmm. people don't know what they're doing. They're f- like they—they're fully just animals at this point. And so they set it up within the story, and then they yes. don't resolve it at the end. It just kind of yeah. hangs open. And so I like the alternative ending way more. It is kind of cheesy uh, because they—they because yeah. they, they also add this which. I'm not a huge fan of they add this introduction of like some Christian imagery towards the end of the third act where Anna talks about.
1: it's It's just a butterfly. Both
0: of them, both of these things feel very corny. Okay. Because the butterfly is, you know, it's tattooed on her neck. That's how it is in the alternate ending. And that's how he realizes he should listen. And then there's also this part where Anna says she was sent from God and that he's not listening. And then he goes on this rant about how he doesn't believe in God. God's not a thing. And I think I didn't like the introduction to that conversation because it feels like – it just feels so hand-fisted. Like I feel like there's subtle ways of doing it because I feel like – at the end when he's like, I don't believe in God. There's no God. There's no way there could be God. I feel like a Chris Tomlin song was going to come in afterward, <laughs> and it was going to be like, I could only imagine. Like Okay, so I will,
1: I will say – I'll defend it a little bit. I don't mind having that be part of the conflict uh, because I think – Neville is set up to be a character who so fully believes that he is capable of using science to discover a cure that, like having faith and hope, is like poison to him. Basically, like it's it's something that he can't do, which is a theme from the the original yeah. book too. That was very effective, and so I don't I didn't mind that as much. The thing I didn't like is that Anne comes in, uh, Anna comes in, and she's like. There is a commune of survivors in Vermont. And he's like, how do you know? And she's like, I just know. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not (laughs) – That's not it. Why did they have to put it in there? Why couldn't it just been like, I heard it on the radio or I heard somebody – like I met somebody who was also heard about it or something like like anything else. Instead of just being like, I don't know. And then they happen to find the exact place at the end. That was a little bit odd for me.
0: It's just that entire conversation felt off to me because the I love the idea of him coming to the realization that he is not the cure and the answer. He is not the yeah. male protagonist who has all the answers and will save the day. Love that. Love the idea that he needs to learn how to hope again and trust that, you know, something else is going to resolve this. OK, I think it's just that conversation is so over the top and hand fisted. And has zero subtlety in it because. Well, I
1: think, think too, because the first half of the story is such subtle storytelling and visual storytelling. And then to have everything like as soon as another person comes up, all of a sudden you lose all that subtlety. It just felt like a little bit lazy towards the end.
0: Yeah, like it was almost like someone was hitting them over the head and being like, hey, if you didn't know, these are Christian themes. And at the end, he's going to sacrifice himself and his blood is going to be the answer. It's like it just it, it, there was also no introduction to these types of themes earlier in the movie. And so when it all yeah. happened at once within a 10 minute time span, you're like, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa let's back up where did all of this come from? Because all of that could have been in there. I think they would just have to set it up I mean, better throughout the story.
1: I think they had the elements there because uh, the one scene we see before his family takes off in, in the helicopter, they pray. And then the scene that happens immediately after that is that the, their helicopter crashes. So to me, it's not. it doesn't feel out of place for him to reject religion and faith in that particular way because it didn't help him out. And that's it. like, it, it's connected to one of the greatest losses that he's experienced. Yeah. Uh, so that's not that crazy to me, but I think you're right. I think there are elements to that conversation. I mean, it's also interspersed with two very heavy handed Shrek scenes, which are odd. <laughs> We're going to talk so about this later. I just think, like, the, <laughs> the third act in general doesn't have the most subtle, um, Conversation. I will say I did really like when he woke up initially, uh, with Anna, and it's not her kid, right? It's just a kid, Ethan.
0: I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I
1: don't think it's her kid. Um, but it's the two of them eating bacon and eggs in her kitchen, in his kitchen, and he wakes up and he goes in there, and she's like, "I'm sorry." Well, they're just powdered eggs. I mean, you know that they're your eggs, but I made the bacon too. And he's like, he was getting more and more upset instead of being happy that he's finally around people he's like i was saving that bacon for something <laughs> special and i think that's a very funny but kind of realistic where like this guy has been alone for so long he doesn't know how to be just like slot back into place with being around people so i thought that was very good where he's just like bad at being around people and maybe that's where we got the shrek scene from i still don't think it's
0: great also though if you if this if there was an apocalypse and this was hinted that it's been like a little over a year or so since this has happened, okay, so there's this apocalypse. No, it's you, three years. Three years? Oh my gosh! Even more. Mm-hmm. This this clarifies my point even more. Okay, it's been three years. You have never had fresh bacon. You you take a stranger to his house. He has a single pack of bacon in his freezer. And why would you eat that you know how valuable that is that could buy you so much instead of eating no, the bacon I would you should have stolen the bacon stop i would instantly eat it <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised will smith didn't kick those people outside of his house immediately i would be furious if you stole my bacon in the apocalypse that's
1: kind of true earlier in the movie he was very excited to find spam and canned salmon so yeah. i can't even imagine the state
0: of it <laughs> Like, how, how big is having bacon for him? Come on. I'm sure it's pretty big. Yeah, that's kind of
1: true. <laughs> <laughs> so one more big change that I think is kind of significant is that in the story, uh, so in the story there is a dog and a woman uh, throughout it, but Neville does not have he, tries, he finds a stray dog, and he's trying to befriend it, and it catches the disease and dies before he can, basically. So it's never his companion. And the woman he meets for like a day, and they change it in, in the movie where he has a dog companion the entire time. It's his family dog. Um, and then – Uh, the woman he is with for a couple of days, but essentially like he's never like a hundred percent alone except for like a day. And in that day, he's basically suicidal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: like Ready to end it. Um, Whereas the Neville we got in the book has been alone for three years to the point where when he talks to Ruth, uh, it's like his own voice feels foreign to him because he's not used to using it. Um, so I think that's a pretty big character distinction that the uh, the Neville in the book is a little bit more far, far gone than the Neville in the movie.
0: I wouldn't necessarily say so because there are parts in this movie where I think they display his ineptitude for social ability pretty well. So the the scenes with the mannequins at the video shop are, are amazing because he goes in there and still pretends like he's having social interactions with these mannequins. And it is ridiculously creepy and ridiculously eerie, especially when he talks about wanting to flirt with, with one of the mannequins and then later in the movie he goes to that mannequin after his dog dies and has a breakdown in front of that person or that person the mannequin that scene crushed me to me that was like the emotional apex of the film is when he went to this mannequin because you really got to see just how little he was actually holding it together and how it just took him losing his dog for him to completely lose it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so I will say by far gone, I didn't mean necessarily like breaking down emotionally. I meant like maybe sanity wise and That's like true. mentally because the Neville in the, in the movie is kid, is kidnapping zombie people to experiment on them to see if he can find a cure. And the Neville in the book is literally just murdering people in their sleep. Yeah. as uh, as much as possible. And so it's almost like he and it, they talk about it a little bit in the book towards the end where he has gotten so used to the violence that that's like his only thing that he has. Whereas like the Neville in the movie has his dog and his research and his experiments, uh, the Neville in the book is pretty bleak. It is. Where he's just using violence and murder to substitute for like the social interactions he used to have instead, which is rough. That's a rough, that's a rough character.
0: (laughs) It's pretty tough. Yeah. Now let's go into some of the changes. I kind of already spoke about the changes I made. I think, like I said, adjusting some of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Adjusting some of those third act, weird hand fisted introduction of Christian imagery, I think is my biggest change, but is there anything else you would want to be added or subtracted?
1: Yeah, I think, there's, I think there's a middle ground to be found between the endings that they came up with in the movie and the endings they had in the book. I think the acknowledgement that uh, – because for me, the best parts of the movie in particular is when uh, the zombie guy, the main antagonist zombie guy, uh, recreates the trap that Neville used to catch his mate, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, – he uses a char- a mannequin that um, that Neville goes and talks to on a regular basis. So you all of a sudden realize not only is this zombie smart mm-hmm. uh, because he figured out a trap, but he's also watching Will Smith's character. Yep. And so you start to like disbelieve the fact that Will, Will Smith is telling you that these-, these things have no humanity. They're just basic animals. They're just, you know hungry all the time for blood um you start to question whether or not that's true anymore and then eat on top of it when people show up and anna's like we can go and find other survivors will smith is adamant where he's like everybody is dead there's nobody there can't possibly be mm-hmm. people um and so you start to question like okay what's really going on here and i like that element of it i like him understanding that uh these things have some sort of humanity that even though he doesn't understand it and it's different and whatever, it still exists. And for them to come to some kind of agreement in the end and to him actually leaving New York, I think is are very big character movements. I just wish it, I don't love the alternate ending still because there's like this kid, there's this voiceover from his daughter talking about butterflies. And then there's like a butterfly tattoo. It's still pretty corny. It's still pretty corny. It's still pretty heavy-handed. And the face-to-face Will Smith and the zombie guy, it's just the CGI is so rough. So I would say, like, I think there's a middle ground somewhere between there where where Neville still understands, and you still have a little bit of a twist, uh, and then you still have the character growth and movement that we wanted, um, but not the original ending.
0: What if, hear me out, What if in the movie when zombie guy is trying to break into the glass, which by the way, that glass got about 90% broken pretty immediately. And that last 10% was the strongest glass ever. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, I also find it incredibly hard to believe that he doesn't have a panic room. He is so prepared for everything else. Why does he not have a panic room? How how did he not have a panic room? Instead they have this little coal chute that they go into. It's just a door. Like if they've broken through all the other doors, why would that door help?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, what if at the end of the movie, the head zombie guy breaks the glass and instead of immediately trying to kill Will Smith, he goes to the zombie girlfriend and then he starts freaking out cuz he realizes she's not a zombie anymore and then he he has that realization. Like he's he's prepared to die and then instead he runs to his zombie girlfriend is upset and then maybe he sees him cry or something and then he kind of it all clicks together i think i think if there would have been something for him like he is he is on death's door he's ready to die and then he doesn't and then he realizes the humanity i think that's when you could have gotten the best of both worlds
1: I think it would have been more interesting if instead of it being a horde of zombies, I get why they wanted to have like an exciting third act fight scene or whatever. But instead of it being a horde of zombies showing up, it's just that one zombie.
0: Well, what is actually interesting is in the alternative ending, there are a lot less CGI zombies. In the real ending, the entire room is filled with them. In the other ending, there's like five of them. Uh, Yeah, but
1: I because they just didn't finish putting all the zombies in.
0: <laughs> that's true. There's a lot of work getting a lot of zombies in. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's – I agree with you. I think this movie, yeah. it stinks because it is so good. It's just that third act. That
1: is really good. Like the, the scene where he – where Neville goes into a building because they're chasing down a deer and the dog goes into a dark building and he loses it. And he's like walking through – a dark building that he knows is filled with zombies and he's trying to make not make too much noise but he needs to find his dog that scene is tense it's that one is of the like most the
0: effective scariest. scenes yeah yeah i'm terrified that, that scene was terrifying
1: and i do have to say a horrible spoiler the dog dies halfway through
0: and it's <sighs> really i will say i was watching this with my fiance, Evie, and we were watching oh, no, it together. you like we watch this movie? Yeah, she's, she loves dogs. Oh, no. Here's what I did in order to have us not cry during the dog scene is there is this part where he's holding the dog and then he needs to choke the dog out while the dog dies and the dog goes limps and falls over him. Yeah. I, I made a joke about how the dog just won the dog Oscar for playing dead and then we did like recreation of the dog just being like, like pretending to go limp and and, and being cute and winning the Oscar. And that effectively distracted us from the emotional impact of this dog dying. That's good
1: because I've never felt more for a dog on screen than that dog.
0: Oh yeah. This is people talk about that John Wick scene of the puppy dying being tough. No, this scene this scene makes that look like Mickey House Clubhouse, okay? It's this scene's yeah. crazy. He's
1: hold, he's holding the dog and he can tell that it's slowly turning into a zombie.
0: Oh, it's just so sad. Gotta say, too, cutest puppy of any movie. By far the cutest puppy. (laughs) The flashbacks with the floppy ears. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, man, I wanted that dog. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, David, uh, do you have any nitpicks that you are dying to talk about?
0: This is less of a nitpick and just a scene that made me laugh. There's... Very early on in the movie, like within the first five minutes, they have a scene of Will Smith doing pull-ups with his shirt off. It's just yeah. supposed to be like, "Look at this buff guy." He's
1: quite buff. He's pretty surprisingly buff. But still, for like a dude who has nobody to impress, he's pretty buff.
0: <laughs> for a movie about self-isolation and loneliness, and a movie that is like completely void of any sexualization at all having yeah. just a movie <laughs> like of his sweaty abs doing pull-ups got a good laugh out of me like it, it's funny
1: because it's directly in contrast to did you ever watch last man on earth the tv show with what's his name will forte starring yeah. in it where he like has like a super overgrown beard he thinks he's the last man surviving an apocalypse it's a comedy so um it's treated that way but he has like a pot belly and he's disgusting <laughs> And I feel like that may be a slightly more accurate portrayal of how we would all act <laughs> if we thought we were the only oh, yeah, person on Earth.
0: <laughs> but yeah, we're not. We're not sweaty, buff Will Smith doing pull-ups in his living room.
1: Yeah, uh, I do actually have a book nitpick, um, okay. which I know are rare. Usually, we stick to movie nitpicks. Uh, but the, like the twist at the end of the story is good and bad at the same time because he finds out uh he talked he keeps on talking about how tan she is, and I thought it was weird that he keeps on he's like her tan legs and her tan arms as tan yeah. to tan to tan and I thought it was weird at first, but then she literally like she stays with him for a day. she takes a bath at some point she's not carrying anything on her, and when she attacks him and he passes out, he grabs her leg and makeup brushes off, <laughs> yeah. Of her leg and she was like, tan? Yeah. I feel like it was definitely written by a dude who has no idea how makeup works. No
0: idea how makeup works. Not at all.
1: She would need so much makeup, first of all, to cover her entire body. There's no way it would set well enough. Like I would I would totally understand if it was a spray tan and I get – they wanted to have like that weird realization. They did not need that line. So I just think it's so funny that she was like somehow in the bathroom, probably taking just hours, to cover herself <laughs> with like this
0: and makeup. <laughs> it would have been more effective if he just she's like wearing long sleeves and long pants and that's really weird to him. Like you or don't she need a lot of a
1: makeup. Kid. It's not like he's going like he's not outside all day every day. She could just be like I haven't seen the sun in 4 years and he would understand.
0: Uh, it, was anyway, it, I was it was weird. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah,
1: we have mentioned it before but the last line of the book is really dumb. It's <laughs> terrible. <I> mean, it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> i am legend i am boom, boom, boom. Legend. Boom, boom. roll credits
0: yeah uh, a roll credits part in the book is always really really fun to read
1: yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty hard to like not feel like it's a punch in the face <laughs> yeah
0: so amanda we got to talk about the shrek scene the shrek scene
1: i'm sorry not one shrek scene there are two shrek, two scenes.
0: shrek scenes so uh after mr will smith wakes up from getting saved after his suicidal attempt to fight the zombies uh he wakes up in his house to find shrek on the television uh Mm -hmm. where he comes in and he's watching shrek you know movies within movies sometimes happens get it he passes it he goes away uh later on he gets in a fight in the kitchen he he gets he goes a little over the top doesn't know how to socialize with people whatever and he comes back downstairs after taking a break to find the kid watching shrek and then in order to explain his emotions i guess to explain Mm -hmm. how he feels he starts recounting shrek as it's happening and it is the weirdest scene in the world
1: it's so long. Yes. And it pans over to Anna's face and she's like, is this guy going to murder us? Can <laughs> I murder him real quick?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it exp- I think I'm just going to murder him. <laughs> well, it's like, I think the whole point of it is to show how terrible he is at socializing because the only way he's supposed to say how he's supposed to feel is through saying the lines of this. Because if it goes, if you listen to it, he's like, it's like talking about how he struggles to uh, socialize with people now. Okay, but he's saying it through Mr. Mike Myers. Um, But it's not effective because it's Shrek, Amanda.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't
0: work it's very
1: and it's not like he's saying he says both lines because it's shrek and donkey talking to Mm -hmm. each other and he does it for so long it's a very strange scene i don't know why they what if
0: what if all we did was now explain our emotions but only through shrek quotes
1: Oh no! I thought you were gonna say only by quoting movies like no, A no, Bumblebee. No no, no,
0: no, 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 <laughs> no! That's the
1: way it works.
0: Only by quoting Shrek. Be like, we could I-
1: only Mark. communicate to each other with little Shrek scenes that we little Shrek TikTok clips that Amanda, we send each other. I'm just
0: an onion. Layers of an onion. That's how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. Just wait. Let me look up Shrek quotes.
1: <laughs> Why? Why would you do that to us?
0: <laughs> this is a terrible. Bit. There's just. <laughs> Okay, this isn't as funny as I thought it would be. There's not a lot of good Shrek quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I don't
1: think I feel Sh- like you think there are better Shrek-, Shrek quotes, but all you're thinking of is that Smash Mouth song that always plays.
0: <laughs> yeah, what if there's just a scene
1: you just where... I like once told me the world was going to owe me. What if... But I ain't the therapist tool in the shed.
0: What if there's a scene kind where... Of where- <laughs> kind of you're dumb. just going to keep going. No, I'm, no, I'm going to or- talk over you. What if there's a scene? You know, there's a part where he's like, "This is the best album ever made," and he's talking about Bob Marley. This is the soundtrack. Soundtrack. He just turns it on. and He's like, "I listen to this every morning." Hey
1: now. And it's like the it's like the Wiggles. (laughs) Fruit salad. (laughs) Yummy, yummy. I was a nanny for a couple years and I still have that song stuck in my head and it's been like a decade. Uh yeah. Was this Dreamworks? Is that why they use don uh is that why you use Shrek, they used Shrek, and Shrek I also have Dreamworks?
0: No idea. I have no idea if this is I think no cuz I am legend is universal.
1: If you were to pl- replace the movie, the ongoing movie Shrek with any other universal picture, what would you have replaced it with? Uh so he here are some other options that we can replace it with. Are you ready?
0: All right, let's hear it.
1: Kung Fu Panda. Minions. <laughs> oh, the God. Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> I'm coming back to uh, Despicable Me and the Minions. <laughs>
0: okay, I can't think. The only movie that would be worse to put in there would be Minions. <laughs> period. I hate it. <laughs> that would be so hilarious. It. I think if they wanted to, you know, keep it as serious as possible, they need to do Fast and Furious. Get Mr. Vin Diesel talking about family, how they need to stick together, quarter mile at a time. Yeah. Let me tell yeah. you. And then they can show some scenes of it, stuff blowing up. And that's where he gets the inspiration to blow up. Yeah. And it's a great movie. 10 out of 10.
1: I I do think that would be incredibly funny if they had, <laughs> <laughs> and they had the Fast and Furious movie playing in the background. He's just quoting it. Uh, so those are my goofy options. I will say a serious option, Iron Giant. I feel like that's low-hanging fruit. They could have just gone with Iron Giant. That would have been Ooh, a really good Iron
0: one. Giant would have been e- – Iron Giant's so easy. You could slot an Iron Giant yeah. whenever, and it will get an emotional reaction out of me.
1: Agreed. Absolutely. So that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you get automatically updated when new episodes come out at wherever you get your podcasts. We are still kind of new. We're still under 20 episodes, 20 big episodes. 20 big boys. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is our 18th big boy episode. Mm. Uh, So if you enjoyed anything we talked about in the last hour or so, please leave us a review and tell your friends. Uh, and then, if you do, we will make David read it out loud in person on this show in a really funny voice. And guys, he is really bad at accents, so it's pretty entertaining.
0: It's pretty entertaining. We're not doing it this week, but please put some more in and I can do some some impressions, I think.
1: I would like I would like long ones. Uh, you can also suggest a voice and a tone for him to use in your review. I will take suggestions.
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but in case you don't want to, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at AdaptedPod on all of those platforms. You can also send us suggestions on what we should talk about next by shooting us an email at stuff at AdaptedPod.com. Special thanks to Catloaf for intro and outro music for the track Astoria Dipmars. You can listen to more Catloaf on Spotify. And I will say Catloaf has come out with some pretty chill tracks the past couple weeks. And if you're if you're in the mood for chill, he's got a lot of chill.
1: Yeah, it's like perfect quarantine music. So 10 out of 10, highly recommend. 10 out of 10, chilltacular.
0: Uh, so Amanda, <laughs> yeah. what are, yeah. what are we consuming next?
1: Uh, I was going to ask you that exact question since you asked me that last week. Did I? (laughs) You want me to take it? Take the reins? I'm doing it. Guess what we're we're reading and watching for next
0: time. What are we doing, Amanda? That's a trick question I actually already know, but tell the audience.
1: I am both sad and excited at the same time, so it's just a mix of emotions. We are going to read Artemis Fowl, Mm -hmm. which is... A really fun middle grade uh, adventure story in the in the likes of Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. So it'll be a really fun read. It's one of my faves. Uh, It was set to be adapted this summer and due to quarantine things they're actually releasing it straight to Disney plus so <laughs> it was one of my it was one of my picks when we talked about adapted movies for 2020 in the beginning you called it the biggest flop coming up and it seems <laughs> like you may have cursed it it may actually be the biggest flop since it is not even making it to theaters they aren't even gonna do like a release on Amazon with it but I'm pretty excited to both read and watch it
0: again and this is one all you guys can do since it is going to be a new adaptation to streaming services you probably already have so look forward to it
1: yep Uh, me too so until next time keep your dog
0: close and your zombies closer until then maybe just get a leash for your dog maybe just like a Mm -hmm. really long leash
1: yeah until then Invest in some Animal
0: Crossing. (laughs) This is the
1: episode brought to you by Animal Crossing. Until
0: then, (laughs) buy some Animal Crossing. Now available to the money Animal Crossing.
1: Yeah. Please. Or just send us send us more items. Animal Crossing. We'll take we'll get paid in furniture at Animal Crossing game.